I will confess to you it's a little unfair that your pastor is preaching through the minor prophets as we begin the stewardship season. Uh, we had looked at Zephaniah last Wednesday night at our pastor's Bible study, and that'd be, that'd be a great encourager to try to get people to, to give and to serve. Let me just read some verses here. Let me, let me first ask you, are you going to give next year? Well, let me read you this passage from Zephaniah 1. There will be a coming day of anger, a day of troubles and distress, a day of destruction and desolation. Oh, are you going to serve next year? There'll be a coming day of darkness and gloom and clouds and thick darkness and trumpet. And I'm cheating. If I'm preaching through the minor prophets during stewardship season, here's why we give. Here's why we serve. Here's why we sacrifice. It's later in Zephaniah. I want you to hear this word from the Lord to these people who needed a word. Listen to Zephaniah 3.17. The Lord your God is with you the mighty warrior who saves. You may not always feel this now, but I want you to hear this word. If you and I are seeking his face, if you and I are being faithful to him, hear this word. He will take great delight in you. In his love, he will no longer rebuke you, but God himself will rejoice over you with singing. There are days I don't feel that, but this is his word. And this is what he has said to them. It's what he has said to us. And it's why you and I will sacrifice. It's why you and I will stretch. It's why you and I, even though we saw a few years ago and we looked at Jonah three or four years ago, it was hard for Jonah to get behind the kind of reaching work that God wanted to do with these people. And I get it. If you remember that from three or four years ago when we looked at, at, at Jonah's reluctance to give grace, we can understand it. These people literally took head counts. We say, hey, take a head count before you get on the bus. After a battle was over, they took a head count. They would kill people in a way that was horrific that I won't describe, and they'd leave one person alive. And they'd say, now go on down to Ridgeland or to Jackson and tell them we're coming and we're going to do the same thing if they don't surrender. These people lived in wild pagan practices and did things to each other again that I will not describe. And Jonah, why don't you go and tell them my good news? I can understand his reluctance. Was it just because he's jealous for God like Phineas was? These people are living in wild rejection of who you are? Or did he know somebody? He knew somebody who had fallen under their sword. I'm not going. I don't know if I've ever shared this story with you, but I go back to this. It's one of the, the largest churches in all the world. Yonggi Cho is the pastor there. Um, and he told a Korean pastor, he had told God, but he had even mentioned to some other people, God can call me, just kind of tongue-in-cheek, God can call me wherever he wants me to call me, to go wherever he wants me to go, to preach whatever he would have me to preach, but I'm not going to Japan. Not going. He remembered well what happened to people who he loved during World War II. God, you can call me anywhere. Here he is, one of the largest churches in the world, there in Korea. Call me anywhere, do anything, 
but Lord, I'm, I'm not giving you that. Well, some pastors had heard that and they had pushed him. They had prayed for him. God had put it on his heart for years and finally he surrendered and says, I will go. There's a preacher con conference in Japan. They're training about a thousand preachers. I'll go and I'll tell them, here's how you can share the gospel. And he got up to give his talk that he had prepared and here's how he started it. It was definitely not in his notes. I hate you. I just, I hate you. One by one, those thousand pastors came down and got at Reverend Cho's feet and just knelt before him in tears and in prayer. 10, 20, 50, 100, great weeping of repentance, but also in prayers for this pastor who couldn't get over his hurt. And eventually he said the words over and over again. I love you. I love you. I love you. All of us, all of us have been injured. All of us. The kids could put their hands up. Yeah, playgrounds can be brutal. Adult, life, friends, even family, co-workers. It can be brutal. We carry scars. We carry hurts. Here you have Jonah pushing back from that. Jonah, who's really in a very real sense trying to change God's mind and change God's thinking and God pushing Jonah to change Jonah's loving. It's a good word here about how you and I are called to that ministry. Even when we're hurt, can God have that and, and do a deep work of, 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 of salvation, maybe a work of reconciliation. You see it here beautifully. You know the story of Jonah. But, but I want us to look a little bit, not just at Jonah's life. It's, it's right for us to look at Bible characters and see these are real people doing real things and to see their faith. What can I learn? What life lessons can I learn? But it's more important to say, hey, where, where do I see God? Where do I see his activity? I remember all of what Jonah did. Sometimes in Jonah's story, I forget what God did. Let's look at, if you're in chapter one, let's just look at these initial verses. Because we already know Jonah's a runner. We're going to see that throughout this. Jonah, I mean, from the very get-go, he tells the sailors, I'm running from God. And you're going to see him do it in multiple ways here. We're also, we do the guesswork that Jonah has a lot of hate in his life. Maybe that's what's going on. Maybe it's fear. Don't put me near those people, God. You can, you can use my life here, but don't make me tell the good news to them. Or maybe it's just bitterness. The late John Nyhoff, former president of Wesley Seminary, wrote a book called Jonah in the Bitter Blues. And maybe there's some bitterness in his life. He's got all that stuff going on, but what does God have going on? So chapter one, the word of the Lord came to Jonah saying, get up and go to Nineveh. Get up and go. The first reach is from God. And what's Jonah's response? Well, here's the first run. He ran or he fleed to Tarshish and found a ship. But now the second reach, verse 4. But the Lord sent out a great wind into the sea. The second run, Jonah 1, 5. But Jonah had gone down into the sides 
of the ship. Now, eventually, Jonah comes clean. He's still not saying yes, but at least he, he's coming clean, but he, he didn't say, I'm going to Nineveh. He just says, throw me over. Drop down to verse 17. We've seen reach after reach, and here it is again. God appointed, prepared a great fish. Another reach of God. Then in chapter 2, if you want to keep flipping over, we get this prayer inside the great fish. The, bit, uh, the fish spits him up, and it's God again, chapter 2, verse 2, or chapter 3, 2, who now says, go a second time. And then finally, Jonah says what he, he goes where he needs to go and says what he needs to say, and we've joked about this a couple of years ago. It's five words. It's just five words in Hebrew. You got a little bit of time and then it's over. Five words, that's what he says. And all 120,000, from the greatest to the least, repent of their sins. They fast, sackcloth, they come to the Lord. And I know what you're thinking oh, if we could only have five word sermons. But that's what he did. Five words repent because God's coming. I wish the story ended there, but go to chapter 4, verse 1. Jonah gets mad. Jonah's already reached, uh, God's already reached for Jonah two, three, four times already. But once God does this work, he gets frustrated by it. And look at verse 3. And this is not the last time he's going to say this. Just wish you'd kill me. Whatever bitterness, whatever fear, whatever hurts in his life, whatever hates in his life, he can't get over it. I wish you'd just kill me. And whenever somebody gets mopey or or, or, or gets moody. Come on, let's be honest. We just want to leave those people alone, right? Somebody's giving you that, you just want to leave them alone. That's not our God. Verse 4, God goes to him and asks a question. Do you have a good reason for this? Verse 5, Jonah keeps up what he does all the time and he runs. That's kind of what he does. He walks. But here's God asking a question and Jonah does not answer. Surely at this point, God is done with Jonah. I got the five words. I got these people uh, uh, to come and turn to me. But that's not God. He doesn't let Jonah go and he won't let us go. Verse 6, God appointed, this is a word you see a lot in, the, in this book. God appointed a plant to give Jonah shade. He'd set up a shelter. Let's see what happens in that city. I wonder what's going through his mind when he's thinking about what's going to happen there. But he sets up a shelter. It's a hot day, so God gifts him a plant. But then also God then appoints a worm to come and get at the plant, so the next day it's taken away. And again, you've got uh, God appointing or sending an, another hot wind, an east wind. By the way, I'm going to stop here. I, uh, all of our staff are blessed at different points during the year to give chapel, to provide a chapel service for our um, after-school care children. And so one afternoon a week they have chapel, and we'll do the second and third graders, I think, first, and then the older kids second. But I was waiting for the second and third graders to come this week. I was up in the multipurpose room, and one group had come, but it was taking several minutes for the others, so I just kind of said, hey, guys, Let's play a little Simon Says while we're waiting. Simon Says This, Simon Says That. We play it for several minutes, and then I see the other classes coming all the way down from the atrium. Okay, it's over. And so I say to the children, Simon Says, we're going to stop playing Simon Says, right? 
Well, they didn't stop. So the girls start playing Simon Says, and the boys start uh, playing Simon Says. God was very clear in the scriptures from the beginning of time. He created the male and female, but Simon Says also makes those differences very fast. When the girls did Simon Says for do this, do this dance, but the boys, and they only had 20 seconds till that other class came, but in the 20 seconds, I got three different Simon Says's from three different boys using three different slang words for Simon Says, break wind. So, and, and of course, all of them with the fake noises that accompanied that. God appointed an east wind. And here it is. Yeah. Well, and it was like that for Jonah. This, this bitterness, this whatever's in his life that God, and you've done this. What are you doing for them? It's just like the older brother in Luke 15. Why'd you go running to him? Well, guess what, older brother? I went running to you. You left the party, and, and it's just as deep a sin. I shouldn't come walking to have to come get my older son, but I'll do that. And it's just like God, whether it is a, a word of grace or a word of discipline. Here's the worm. Here's the hot wind. Either way, it's to get us back to God and to get us in the middle of being his child and also doing his kingdom work. And so he sends that to Jonah. It's appointed to him. And then he comes, you see it later, he comes with another question and a response and another question and response. It's just like God to continue to reach. I think in all, if I'm going to do the math, here it is. It's two callings, a storm, a fish, questions, a plant, a worm, a wind, more questions and responses. And I don't know how it finishes up. This is one of those stories like the rich young ruler where you just kind of what happened at the end of this? Because this is the only book of the Bible that ends with a question. Did Jonah actually finally get it? I hope he did, because we have this good word from him. So we're assuming there was faithfulness there. But this is a real struggle. All these things that God threw at him, and yet he just couldn't get it. And then I look at my life, and I think, how many things have you thrown at me even this week? How many things have you thrown at me this month? Your grace, your reach, your calling, your giftedness. And I said, well, yeah, but not that. I'll do this, but I won't do that. I'll love them, but these people, I don't know. Been there? Can you and I be Jonah? God, we see his character is put on display. He's a God of second chances. He's a God of multiple reaches, trying to keep us with him, trying to keep us on task for the things that he would have us to be it about. Maybe we need to hear this too because you've missed the first reach and you may count yourself out. It's just like God to keep appointing a fish, a wind, to say a word, to engage. He's trying, he's always reaching. Don't count yourself out. Look at all those things he had to do for Jonah. He'll do that for you too. But how will you respond? It's a picture of who God is. He is a God who reaches to win back, yes, but also to set into ministry. By the way, there's something here that I don't want us to miss. Go back to, to chapter 1. 
just below our reading, there are some things that Jonah does very well here. It's just a reminder to us, as we're thinking about in our stewardship season, we are, and we've always said this, has always been the mission of our church for, for so long now, we exist to build faithful disciples to serve Jesus Christ. We'll talk about that serving next week. But to build faithful disciples means we first have to make disciples for Christ. We have to be inviters and, and inviting people into our homes, inviting people to coffee, and, and hopefully building a relationship and eventually inviting uh, to, to church. The goal is to get them to Jesus, not to church, but that's, that's part of it. But to build a faithful disciple, first you have to make a disciple. And look at his, his boldness here in verse 9. I love this about Jonah. He stands up and says, I'm a Hebrew, and I fear the Lord. Could have gone down with the ship, and he doesn't do that. He may not get it in his, his heart right to go to Nineveh, but he could have let those men go down, and he doesn't. And in his suggesting and what he says here is maybe they're probably of, of other faiths. But he stands up and he looks them in the eye in the midst of the wildness of the wind and the, and the potential of death or being thrown overboard. And he says, I am, I am one of God's and I fear him. He was clear about who he was and he was clear about who his God is, by the way. These men probably were pagans and these men probably worshiped gods who were, those gods are affected by the tides of the ocean. Those gods were affected by what people did. And, my God, and, and Jonah's like, you just throw me over and it's fine. My God will take care of anything that your gods can throw at them. Throw me over and it's going to be fine. I'm his. He's the one true living God. I fear him. And then you see their, their response, verse 16. It may be the greatest non-intended revival in all of Scripture. You get people who are worshiping the one God because they've seen somebody stand up and say, in the midst of people that probably aren't the same, in the midst of chaos, say, I'm his and I fear him. Go ahead and do it. And uh, I wonder how it is I and maybe even you we want to be careful with this. We want to let it happen naturally. But how is it we need to be more clear about who we are and whose we are? It made a difference for these. And listen, I told you before as we started the prophet, sometimes we get, we get a little nervous that, you know, we have these big questions and maybe, maybe, maybe we're scared to take that to God. One of my favorite singers said in one of his recent albums, you want to ask God about things like cancer, but you're scared you won't get much of an answer. Sometimes we can do that. We don't want to take our questions to God. or, or to, the, the, the prophets talk about all those big questions. We talked about that a couple, couple of weeks ago. Take your questions to God. The prophets tackle the tough questions of life. Matter of fact, one of the great things you and I can do is to, is, is to love our family and our friends well enough to know the questions that they have and to answer those questions, he answers their deep questions. You serve gods who worship that are of the wind and the waves. My God's over those things. I fear him. Made all the difference uh, for them. How is it you and I? How is it you and I need to, to look at God and to see his reach? To believe again that God can and wants to do a work in our lives. What are those stumbling blocks we have, though? Are you, are you saying to God, you can have this, but you can't have that? It sure seems like Jonah was running from that. Maybe it was because of a hurt. Maybe it was because of fear. And you and I need to say today, Lord, 
Give us your vision. I'm not going to let those things keep me from the things that you have for me. And if you've been running from God, just understand the testimony of Scripture in your own life. You've been running. Maybe it's in, in wild sin like the younger brother in Luke 15 or in self-righteousness like the older brother in Luke 15. Whatever it is, if you've been running, he's a God who runs after and pursues his people. He'll come to you again. He's a God of second chances. Let's pray about that. Let us pray. Father, we thank you so much for this picture that we get of you, of your great reach for a people that we would have written off, but you said six times in this word, they are a great city. They were to you. And may anybody who is hurting, anybody who's struggling, anybody who is in willful sin, or even people that have hurt us, may we see them as you see them, people who need the Lord. Whatever, whatever hurt, whatever fear, Father, help us to give them to you so that we might be about making disciples. Father, I also pray, uh, I also pray that when those opportunities come up, you would help us to be clear about who you are, that we would be bold to say we are yours and we'd be clear about what we share. We pray for those divine appointments. Jonah was so quick so quick to answer the deep questions that they really had. He was so clear about who you were. And so, Father, we pray, help us, help us to sharpen what we believe, to have our, our ears listening for those who might be asking questions so that we might be able to share and lives might be changed. We thank you for this, your word. Bless now our response to it. In Jesus' name we pray. Amen.